Welcome to episode 226 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Casal. Hello. It is Monday night, February 5th. And tonight we're going to do the double header of What's Brian Michael Bendis Doing at DC Comics? Followed by our Han Solo trailer and teaser trailer breakdown. Before we get into our big game talk, big game talk tonight, both big game talk. You're like mixing metaphors here because you're like the double header, you know, like baseball <laughs> and now the big game, like the Super Bowl and to win the Stanley Cup at the end. Which Paul, is ironic can, because I like sports and I know, sports. I know sports. We can say Super Bowl on this show. We will not get sued for that. We don't have enough people listening. Before we talk about Brian Michael Bendis and Han Solo, we do housekeeping with Ian Sharp. We'll talk to the people that are listening, and they know that McSauce.com is the only place to find our strips, our reviews, and this lovely podcast. If you go to Facebook.com and type in M-C-S-O-S-S, you can find the McSauce fan page. If you type in McSauce anywhere, you're going to find us. Believe me, there's nobody else out there masquerading. There aren't dummy McSauce sites. There aren't McSauce bots out there. It's all us. So if you go to Instagram, you go to Twitter, Facebook, any place like that, you can leave us comments on our different social media platforms. In fact, if you go to iTunes and you subscribe to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, please, we ask you to leave a rating and a review. It helps other people, other like-minded podcast fans like yourself find this lovely show. So if you could, a review, five stars. Come on, you know you want to give us five stars. And a nice review. And uh, Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram. We post some stuff there. We post artwork and upcoming bits and pieces of the strips so you can follow us there and give us a like all all those good social media places and uh tonight for for the big game for the for the big match for the title bout the big cup the world uh the world cup's actually a thing i was going to do world series stanley cup but the world the world cup's a real thing outside of america yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some things that we we know best, comics, and then we're gonna transition into Star Wars. So we know Brian Michael Bendis, one of the Marvel architects for the last what like fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed an exclusive deal with DC Comics. How long is that for? I don't know. I don't think I've seen anywhere how long that deal's for. But he's apparently digging in his heels. He's going to be making his presence known. He's, um, I think he's, he's planning on being there for quite a while. Uh, huge news when it was announced that he's coming over. He, you know, he's arguably the, what, the, <clears throat> the biggest comic book writer of our time. This uh, is kind of like the Gretzky from Edmonton to L.A. trade. He's, he's the biggest comic book writer since... Frank Miller, probably. Yeah, he has... I mean, I'd put uh, Mark Millar up there as well as having 
written some of the things that eventually filtered into the pop culture as things that people would know. Uh, Bendis probably more so having a hand in more of those things. The current version of Spider-Man, the Spider-Man that we kind of got in the movies, a little bit influenced by what Bendis's work was. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument either way who was like more responsible for kind of like the movie versions of these characters, but if we're talking about just their their comic book impact, uh, their their relevance in the world of comics, I think Bendis is a bigger name than Mark Miller. Yeah, sure. So Brian Michael Bendis is going from the House of Ideas to their distinguished competition, DC Comics. And it's been a big mystery since he was signed over early December as to what he was going to be doing. But now we know what he's going to be writing at DC. And there's a couple other uh, little caveats to his contract that I think we care much less about. Um, Some smaller portions of his contract. Well, why don't we talk about the smaller portions and then we'll get into the... That's where I'm going. Sorry. Um, All of his Jinx World properties are going to now be published and promoted by DC. So what all is Jinx World? Um, Is Powers part of Jinx World? Yeah, as far as I know, it's um, Jinx, Uh Powers, and Scarlet. I don't know what other books may be tied into that, but it's not specifically... Bendis written properties. It's stuff that he's co-written. Um, I don't know if there's stuff that's been under the James World banner that he didn't work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that stuff is coming over to DC. DC is gonna co-own it with Bendis, I guess. Like he he got a pretty slick deal that's never been done before. A big publisher like one of the big two, DC or Marvel, and a writer before. So he's going to get, he's, him and DC are going to co-publish all the Jinx World stuff. Um, any reprints are going to come through DC. Any new books are going to come through DC, through DC. And he said, if you're a reader of those books, you're not going to see a difference. Mm-hmm. The quality, the content is going to remain the same. It's just going to have a different publisher tag on it. I don't read any of that stuff. So, like, that means, that means nothing to me. Small potatoes. But I'm sure for him that is a major thing. A major win in the contract column. Now, I I don't read any of this stuff either, you know. It's... I guess it's similar to uh, Mark Millar kind of building out his uh, Miller world. Yeah. But this, all of the Bendis independently created stuff is uh, on a smaller scale than the things that he brought to life in the Marvel Universe using existing characters. Right. So, while it's probably a pretty good deal for him, I don't see it being a major splash with comic I think it, I readers. think if you're, if you're deep, deep in the comic book business, which, I mean, we read some we read some comics, but I mean, we are not, we're not one of those people that get 30 books a week and read all 30 books. Um, so I, I think that's, that's pretty big news. If you're a Bendis fan, yeah. if you're Bendis, um, I think bigger news than that is that he's getting his own imprint at DC comics. 
Much like Gerard Way runs the Young Animal imprint, Bendis is going to have his own. Nothing's been announced for that. We don't know what the content's going to be, who the creators are. Mm-hmm. All that's supposed to come later in the year, I imagine, in the fall. Um, but that seems like, I mean, if, if you're Bendis, that's great. Because if you're going to be running your own imprint at DC, that probably means a bigger paycheck. That gives him some creative leeway, some creative control over a group of books. So for him, I think that's great. But right now, there's no information about that. But I don't know what would even be under that. Like, Gerard Way comes in with the Umbrella Academy pedigree. Like, he's kind of known for doing some weird off-the-wall Graham Morrison-type weird comic books. Bendis does straight up pretty like the status quo kind of superhero books he does all the things you know new avengers and right but he also does he also does hard-boiled street crime so like would his would his imprint be like you know an imprint of like gcpd style stories i i don't know i i don't think he's done hard-boiled street crime in quite a while I don't know what it would be. I would think that it would be more standard Bendis style super heroics. But if it's going to be super heroics, why why does it need its own imprint? Like, what's going to make that stand out from the stuff that he's going to be doing for DC proper to get his own imprint? Is he going to be shepherding in new writers and artists? Is he going to be answering Matt's wish of new superheroes? Matt, you've been saying for a while that one of the things you're irritated at Image Comics about is that they've gone away from superheroes. There are no new superheroes. There are no good new superhero books. Mm-hmm. Do you think this may give you what you're looking for? Uh, probably not. Um, I I should also... It, it's not just new superheroes. I also like them being connected in the universe. And Jinx World are a series of uh, self-contained, like, independently kind of told stories, so uh, probably not. But the DC's Young Animal is a microcosm of the larger DC universe. And I would expect Bendis' imprint to be Young Animal, but from a different perspective. Uh, I I don't expect them to be connected. Like those comics, I don't. I mean, they never were. Like Jinx isn't connected. Yeah, but these are two separate things. The, his own imprint is not going to be Jinx World. Jinx World already exists. There are already oh, published okay. comics. Yeah, we don't know what's coming from Bendis's imprint. It is a blank slate at this point. Okay, I'm he's just going to he's just going to be overseeing new comic books, a grouping of comic books, like Gerard Way is overseeing Young Animal. Young Animal does weird, goofy, psychedelic you know, Graham Morrison, weird shit. But it's still connected to to DC proper. Is, you know, maybe this is going to be, like, could this be like an Ultimate Spider-Man thing? I I don't know. This seems wildly unnecessary to me. It's like, just make DC Comics if they're connected to DC Comics. You know, like, imprints are, are kind of like, what's the point? I don't understand. I didn't. I didn't get into the details of it today, but DC is also launching a young adult imprint, and they're also launching something called DC Zoom, which I imagine is going to be for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get, I get the younger audience, but isn't there a way to write 
young adult comic books that are also part of DC proper? Like, do they need their own banner, their own imprint? Young adult comics seems really redundant. Like, I know... And maybe that's just the fact that we've grown up in this time period where comic books seems to have <clears throat> seem to have latched on to our demographic and followed it as we grew older and continued to stay with us. But I, I always thought that comic books were kind of for teenagers and you could still relate to some of that stuff, but it was kind of aimed at like 12 to 13 year olds. And it, it just seems like they're already kind of made for that, that demographics so of why retread on that I think it's gotten away from away from that so in the sense of you know maybe this is an attempt by DC to bring in the younger audience that, that they're not getting Matt you and I were talking a, a few days ago about how about where comics are going yeah and like how the only the, the only remaining audience is the old audience yeah and that audience is dwind- is dwindling so maybe this well, is that's an a nihilistic view of where comic books are going maybe this is an attempt at bringing in a younger audience but i feel like girls uh, books like Ooh. batgirl have tried like their batgirl is part of the bigger dc universe mm-hmm. but it, it also has a different tone like is so is this the dc young adult and like branding to bring in younger younger readers i don't know i think it's too early to call on that i i mean it could be or it might not be there's i mean there's really not a whole lot to go off of to kind of make an educated guess as far as that's concerned um it it just feels like imprints i always felt like segregated um you know, characters or stories from the greater universe, which I never liked. I I prefer a connected universe. I think that's more exciting. It's it's kind of cool to know that <clears throat> you know Batman could bump into the Green Lantern or something, and I think that's interesting. If those characters were totally separate in their own little universes, it would feel unnecessary. You know, they're they're characters of the same company that's why when image started why it was so fun when you would you would open up an issue of spawn and you would see savage dragon on a tv and on a page in spawn and then there were two kids talking about rob liefeld's bad rock and who would win in a fight savage dragon or bad rock well you know spawns in his trench coat and fedora like walking by and it was like this is so cool like it was just like so connected that's why i like valiant so much because it's small enough and contained enough and it feels like so focused um maybe maybe well now that i'm kind of talking and sort of thinking out loud maybe that's where imprints have like a place maybe like in a larger universe if you have an imprint that allows you to then focus you know a smaller group of characters or books to kind of get that connected feeling without having to like branch out into the larger universe i don't know no i I haven't given this metaphor any thought other than the initial (laughs) thought but would it talk this out with me would it is would like the CW DC shows be 
an imprint compared to the movie universe? Um, I don't think so. Um, it feels more like the ultimate line. If that's an imprint, I don't know. But the the way I look at an imprint, geez, I don't Is know. Is the ultimate line the definition of an imprint? Well, same I guess as, like New Universe was back in the day, the same as Marvel Knights was an imprint. They just didn't no, call it no, because some of them are different. Some are completely independent of the greater universe. Some are not. Some are still connected, although they have like a similar theme. Like Vertigo, for example, has similar theme of like kind of weird out there, avant garde kind of stuff. Plus, it's disconnected from the greater universe. But at any time, they can roll any of that stuff into the greater universe if they please. Which they do, although it's always presented in a way that it is not. It's always like, oh, you know, these are great to get into because they're not connected in any way, so there's no other baggage, and, you know, it's self-contained, blah, blah, blah. I hate the all the no other baggage. You don't have to read anything else. <clears throat> Shouldn't, as a new reader, you want to explore and find out what happened before? And I don't know. I do think a little there, research? I think there's a place for uh, uh, something that doesn't require you know mountains of research of comics like for casual readers like i think it's good that there's those kind of like options because let's face it like paul and i were talking about earlier last week uh comic books are not exactly written for um newbies i don't think paul didn't exactly agree with me but i don't think that stories are written in a way that you can just jump right into and kind of like get a full story you know, on an issue-to-issue basis. Aren't they specifically written in six-issue chunks to do that? Uh, More or less, yeah. And don't they have, like, at the beginning of most books, don't they have sort of a synopsis of what happened before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I feel like they are written for people to jump on and connect themselves with the world. Uh, Well, yeah, they're not, because they... um, they're not the story itself isn't written in a way that is like all that accessible yeah they'll give you a little blurb but the story itself you're like just kind of picking right up it's not it's not an accessible style story you should know this because you you would you prefer the 1980s style where every word balloon was like i'm cyclops cursed by the gods to have these laser blasts since i was a teenager and me and my brother alex jumped out at like every fucking word balloon explains the history of where they came from and but like, this is what's this is what's happening in DC comics right now. Every issue of Hal Jordan and the Core, Aquaman, Superman. That's Action how they're comics, written. The first couple That's pages. Terrible. They shouldn't have do that. the first couple pages have that built-in exposition, not explicitly telling you what Booster Gold's powers are, but getting you caught up on where the story is mm-hmm. through ex- through exposition as opposed to as opposed uh, to Marvel previously Marvel. in yeah as opposed to the way Marvel does things which the for the title page with you know you know your writer artist penciler there's also a paragraph that is you know previously in Guardians of the Galaxy blah 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 so like they're doing it in different ways but they're still making attempts to make it completely accessible which is more than I got when I started reading comics in the middle of 
of Batman run. Yeah, well, and to your point, no, I don't think they should go back to the 60s, sure? 70s, 80s. <laughs> I, think, I think, though, there is a, um, a balance to that where they, they could, you know, go more toward that, you know, as opposed to where they are now, which I don't feel like are all that accessible outside of the previously in. Like, the story itself, if you take just the story itself... These aren't written as accessible single issues. They're written as one of six. And I I don't I don't even want it to be, I, but you I want think it to that, be one of two? Yeah, man, like why not? Or how about one of one that actually like it, it can be a self contained thing books, that works into the some greater books are broken down. Some are, but the majority aren't. I think that's But isn't that how it was in the eighties as well? Weren't some books one to two issues, one issue, and other books like Claremont's X Men had a huge, greater, complicated thing going on. Is yeah, that kind yeah, of the yeah, same way it yeah. was back then? There, there were one show there, and now it's more written for the trade, where every storyline pretty much it's has been that way for for right the like twenty years, twenty years. Yeah. Why uh, don't Why don't we talk about what Bendis is going to be writing uh, for the trade? Wait, what the or hell? for the one off issues? Well, there there isn't very much information about what he is going. To be well, writing, he's starting right? with Action Comics number one, I believe, or one thousand. Oh no! Now there's <clears throat> plenty of information. He's writing ten pages of Action Comics one thousand. I don't know if we still have a page count on that, Paul. We don't have a page count, but he is starting on Action Comics one thousand. Right, right. That we talked story about that last week. Is going to lay the groundwork for his. Six issue weekly Man of Steel, right? Which is gonna not reboot Superman, it's gonna honor everything that Tomasi, Gleason, and Dan Jurgens, the current writers of Superman and Action Comics, it's gonna honor everything that they've done, but also throw it all in the garbage and start brand wait, new from wait, scratch. Wait, 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 wait. Where in the story did you get they're gonna throw it in the garbage? No. Because you like you like these writers, and they're not going to write it anymore. That doesn't mean they're going to throw it in the garbage. No, be fair. No one said. No one explicitly said they're going to throw it in the garbage. Except you. But um, Brian Michael Bendis was quoted as saying, "Dropping big bombs in the Superman universe." I like trash cans. That's where Pete Tomasi's fucking issues he didn't belong. Say unquote. Uh, he said significant upheaval. Biggest status quo changes to Superman since Crisis. Have you liked what has been happening with all Superman? new toys, all new characters, all new heroes and villains? You know what? Followed by this will not be a reboot, but kind of, sort of, because he's like I mean, DC's given Bendis carte blanche, so he's going to write a story in Action Comics one thousand. Then he's going to write a six a six issue Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Mini leading him into Superman number one that's going to be relaunched on July 11th and Action Comics 1001 that's going to be launched on July 25th. He's going to be the sole writer for both books. Yeah, that's the part that troubles me. Yeah, I've never liked that. Looking at Dan Slott, right? Like, there's one guy that's writing everything that you know. If you, you like, have one steward of these gigantic. Characters. And, this, and this is a this is a kind of goofy thing for me, but I, I think it makes sense. Um, action comics has always been the action book, the adventure book, and Superman has been 
the grounded story about Superman. Is now, that how it's been? I wouldn't know. I don't yeah, know. I've I've noticed it to be whatever. Like now, Web of Spider-Man has always been the mysterious web-like book. Spectacular right. has always now, been this is over the top, grandiose. Wow, <laughs> amazing is. You know, the same fucking thing. And then Spider-Man is just like, you know, a guy bitten by a radioactive spider. I know you guys are being jerks, but that's that's how action and Superman have shaken out over the years. I know. Batman is the like more bombastic one. Detective Comics is more grounded in. Now, is that why there's my, like, like fucking 25 Bat characters on the Bat team in Detective right now? Like Clayface is one of the good guys. Ridiculous. Grounded. Yeah, grounded. Now, Bendis is flipping it. Superman's going to be the big adventure book. And action's going to be more about Clark Kent's does, daily life. Does this make you mad? <sighs> I mean, like, that's all I want to know. I don't care about I anything. That, I, I want to hear that's the fire. Um, like, like, I don't know why they're giving him carte blanche to just do whatever the fuck he wants. Since Rebirth started, Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Superman book has been one of their best-selling books, there being DC. It's been one of DC's best-selling books. And now Bendis, you know... Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. Because Bendis is going to come in and sell double what those guys sold. That's why. Are you... Come on. That's exactly why we went out and got this free agent and were like, come on in. We don't care about the old quarterback that we have. His had. books are going to sell at least double what they currently sell. That's why. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. might not be as good. Yeah, I mean. They I might mean, be better. Dan Slott's Spider-Man books have been selling like hotcakes. And you two dum-dums aren't happy with those. So, like, I'm not encouraged by that's this. Not the same that's thing. not the Yeah, that's you're, not what you're we're being, saying. You're being salty. Yeah, because, I'm, I'm, being because, I'm not encouraged by by biggest status quo changes since crisis. I'm not encouraged by all new, all different villains and heroes and all new staff for the Daily Planet. Like, it's not just Superman and Clark Kent that makes the Superman universe special. It's Lois and Perry White and, you know, Cat Grant Do you and think Metallo. that Bendis has no love for any of these characters? I think there. I think he does, but uh, a word that has really been thrown around is additive. And like, there, DC's given Bendis all green lights because he's one of the better selling. He can. He's yeah, the, he's I the best selling writer, man. You're comparing the the Dan Slott. Well, he is. You can shake your head all you fucking want. No, you're, you're comparing I'm not Dan Slott. My Dan, head disagree with. Dan Slott wasn't like some superstar writer. This is the biggest writer in the industry that they paid a lot of money to come over to do to boost these numbers. Like that's what they what they want from it. That's what they're going to get too. Yeah, like, but how how long are they going to get it? Like, how good is it going to be? Like, I I don't want to be in a Dan Slott Spider Man situation. I don't want to be in a situation with Superman, a character that. I like I like action comics right now. I love the Superman book. I don't want to be in a situation like you two have been in for a fucking decade now where you don't love your favorite character's comic book. You're not sure that you're going to get that. Bendis, for all his flaws, is a superior writer to Dan Slott. 
And you don't, you're, you're not right. sure that you're going to get That's that. correct. I'm that. not sure. But from the pull quotes that I've gotten so far, like there's there's no there's no talk about you know the legacy and the history of the character and the things that make the character work and what makes Metropolis and Superman special. There's only talk about all new, all different. That's not true. That's not true. You're you've cherry picked like quotes that you that are gonna like rub you the wrong way. But like I can go through the the article and cherry pick. Tell me. Okay, first of all, first of all, he said one of the things that he wants to do is establish Metropolis as as a thriving city, just the way that Gotham is. He wants to like really get into it and create like oh, he wants to one of your favorite terms, Paul, world building Metropolis. Well, you should be in. He actually uses the words world building. I know you're all about the quotes right now. Hopefully, you pulled that one out. Another thing that he said, one of the, the the main character that he's interested in exploring more than any other character is Superman. That's at the top of his list. Like, so, yeah, he's going to bring in all new, all exciting, whatever. All different. All the different. thing that That's I read... Things. The thing that I read was one of the first things he's going to do is bring in a new villain. What the fuck's wrong with that? What the fuck is wrong with giving Superman, the hero of heroes who needs more A-list villains, a new villain? What's wrong with that? That's a good thing. I'm not opposed to bringing new things into a character. Right. That's what comics are all about. Comics from the first comic book have been adding new things mm-hmm. all along the way. I don't get Hal Jordan if comics don't add new things. I get it. It's it's the way that his approach to action comics and Superman is presented that we are doing all new things like fuck luther fuck metallo fuck brainiac like there's no mention about you know we're gonna take all of the things that make the superman universe the superman universe and bring those forward and make make those you know better it's we're gonna superman and all new things surrounding superman and i like i uh, brian michael bendis is a comic book fan I'm sure the Superman mythology is going to be littered through these books. But I'm afraid, based on what I've read, that it's going to be it's going to be too much new stuff and not as not as and he's not going to pay enough attention to what makes the Superman universe a already full and rich universe. I think Metropolis is as provocative is Gotham City, just in different ways. Like Gotham isn't, or Metropolis isn't as provocative as Gotham City because people don't like Superman as much as they like Batman. That's the difference. Metropolis has been fleshed out. We know, I know just as much about Metropolis as I know about Gotham because it's been fleshed out. He's not going to do anything different with Metropolis that hasn't been done with that city in a fucking century of storytelling. Well, you don't wait. Well, you don't know that though. You don't know that he's not going to do that. Um, new writers, he's going to put his take on it. New writers come all, along all the time. When Scott Snyder first started his run on Batman, he did a lot of different things with Gotham City. Oh, um, a lot of things that he shouldn't have. When I said when he first started out, the first twelve issues, the Court of Owls, we all liked that. You should have stopped after that. 
I'm, I've all, I'm limiting myself to the first 12 issues. So you don't know that Bendis isn't going to come in and bring something different. And yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm and, not. And, and have reverence for the world of Metropolis and Ma and Pa Kent. You, you don't know that. I'm not shutting this down right out of the gate. Yes, you are. It's what you do. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get these books. I'm gonna give them a try. But like from, like I want. I want. What would What would the press release say that you would be like? Fuck yes, this is what. What would you want to hear from it? <clears throat> it would be the the Jeff Johns press release, where we're gonna honor what's come before, and we're gonna build upon the foundation that's already been laid, and we're gonna just. We're gonna bring it forward into 2018. Like, okay, wait. Let me, I already let me. heard all new, all different in Marvel, and it's been fucking garbage. Like, leave that shit at fucking Marvel. You're at DC now. Let's right. let's do what DC has been doing a great job of since rebirth and moving forward. I wanna I wanna respond to what you just said. This is the quote from Bendis. For those who are worried, they should not be, assures Bendis. The last runs on Superman by Dan Jurgens and Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason have been phenomenal runs, and my run will be following their runs. We're not throwing anything out. We're not abandoning anything. We're following what's been going on and taking it to surprising new areas. Like, how is that different than what Jeff John said? Because Joe Casado, when he did One More Day, he followed and built upon all the great stuff that J. Michael Straczynski did, and he essentially just threw it in the garbage. But it's per, like but preceding hold that, on. When he no, first it's came like Ryan Johnson following up on what J.J. Abrams did in The Force Awakens. All that stuff counted, all that stuff mattered, and he just did whatever he wanted. Like all that quote says to me is that yeah, all that stuff still counts, but I'm still gonna do what I want. Joe Casada's stuff that happened in Brand New Day is eight years after he took over marvel and steered marvel to a really really good place the place where it could launch its cinematic universe where it could have properties that were attractive that could bring new readers in and have stories that were adaptable for any type of medium so that was way after he had already laid that foundation for all of that and then he did some wacko shit and well, did brand new joe casada had a very specific vendetta against Mary Jane and and her relationship with Peter Parker and he needed to undo that. Bendis, I don't think, has those issues coming in with, with Superman. It seems like he this is a character that is very important to him. Like I don't I mean yeah, Ryan Johnson probably liked Star Wars a lot too. Who but, could tell? Who would know? <laughs> but um I think that uh He's saying all the things that you would expect to hear him say, but you're you're just hearing negative, even though no. that's not what he's actually no, saying. I, I I understand what you're pulling out of that quote, and I get it. I'm glad he's going to be taking Jurgens and Gleason and Tomasi's stories into consideration. But he also, in the same article, he says that, but then he's saying biggest status quo changes to Superman since Crisis. Right. How is he supposed to be honoring what Jurgens, Tomasi, and Gleason did on Superman while making the biggest status quo changes to the character? Because Arguably, the biggest status quo changes 
ever to the character in his history. Because things happen, man. The character evolves and progresses. I get it. I get it. That doesn't mean you two need to convince me that I need to be okay with it. There's no convincing. Nothing could convince you. Nothing can convince you. The facts in the press release that Matt just read to you can't convince you. The, yeah. His actual words because won't convince of, because you. Because I believe he's gonna take he's gonna take the trip to the future and all the Doctor Oz stuff. He's gonna use that. He's gonna use you know the Super Sun storyline. He's gonna take all of these current storylines in action and Superman, and then at some point he's gonna use them to do whatever he wants. That's what writers do, man. They evolve their stories. I get, yeah, I know they do. That's what he's supposed to do. He's in charge of these books now. Like, I get that. That doesn't mean I need to like it or buy it. Okay. Don't buy it, then. I think what could, can, what will likely convince Paul or won't is he will read it, and then he'll probably give it a fair shake. But yeah, that's he, the only saving grace. Paul will, even if he hates it, will continue to buy it. No, no, he won't. Really? Really. I like how we're talking about him like he's not here. Uh, Paul will read it. He's and a he'll compulsive give, he'll, comic book buyer. He'll man. give a... I know, but he'll he'll drop it if he needs to. He will give... Eventually. A fair <laughs> oh, hey, assessment of what he thought. It's the leading up to things that he doesn't give a fair shake to. Do you think that the further that he digs in on his side, that he'll just be completely entrenched and no. not give it? No, no, no. He, no. He's he has been exposed as a fool many times in the past, and and this could be another instance. It's of dented that. his armor, his his foolhardy armor. Yeah. What's really satisfying about this is that I'm the only one that's going to know because I know neither of you are going to put in the work on these two titles. Well, I don't like either of I'm, those titles. I'm going to check them out. I haven't checked them out. I haven't checked them out. Superman gonna, in, yeah, in decades. Yeah, so why would I do it? I know you're disinterested. You're not going to you're not going to bother. Yeah. Matt, you're going to buy them and they're going to they're going to pile up in your living room for months. Uh, I could that's possible. The the only one we're really talking about right now, and we're not talking about even the greater comic book buying public, we're not talking about casual readers like, you know, Matt over here, or even completely disinterested Superman fans like myself. We're talking about you. That's all we're really talking about tonight. So it doesn't matter if me or Matt buys it or likes it. What I what I really like about where Bendis is going with these is his enthusiasm. Like, he seems like he's He's just excited. Mm-hmm. He's so eager to dig into this world and these characters. And I do think he has a reverence for the entire world. Um, the, the article doesn't paint it that he gives a shit about John Corbin. But maybe he will. Maybe he will. <laughs> Did you think that that would be one of the things that he would bring up in his press release? <laughs> yeah, he'd give a shout out for the deep cut... I don't. I don't think uh, Bendis is gonna write John Corbett is gonna sell headlines. But I, I think you know, like I'm. I'm gonna get it. I, he's a. He's a really good writer. I've liked a lot of his stuff. Um, I just one. I prefer to be reassured a little bit that he's gonna be a little more reverent to Brian Michael Bendis has. I don't think he was great in his 
latter years at Marvel, but he has been great before. And it was when he was writing Marvel characters when they were newer to him. And I'm expecting that greatness to be reflective in his DC comics, at least initially. Once he gets the stories out that he kind of went to DC to tell, and then he's got to come up with new stuff. It's always like the, the second wave of stories that aren't quite as good as that initial like story that writers seem to tell as soon as they get on a book. Um, I think we're going to get really good DC comics from him. I really do. And and I haven't been like a big Bendis guy, but this is the change that that I think fans need and he needs to you know, continue to make good comic books. And uh, I mean, I I feel like for me, I wish he wasn't doing both Superman titles, but I think it's awesome that he's doing a Superman title because I think he is going to bring at the very least a uh a more accessible tone just in the style of his dialogue that um i don't know if i read that in a superman book before why the heck not you know so um i i get the things that you're that you're fearful for especially because what the press release also said was that your you know your guys Tomasi and Gleason are getting booted off of the book, and that's not. But cool. I don't. It, uh, we don't know if they're getting booted. If that was the natural end of their run, and they were they were going to get someone new anyway. It's likely not. It's likely you know, that I'm Brian not, Michael Bendis. It, it's not a coincidence. Brian Michael Bendis shows up at DC Comics and he's writing Superman. Right, but you know, guys also enter and leave books all the time. So. You know, maybe it is, hey, Bendis is coming, you guys are gone. But I think in the comic business, it's ju- just as likely that the the natural end of their story arcs were coming to a close when it's time for Bendis to jump on, or any other writer to jump on mm-hmm. and get it going. Mm-hmm. So why don't, why don't we put Bendis DC comic talk to rest for now. Okay. Um, I don't know when Action Comics 1000 comes out. Isn't it of all, the, of all the notes that I took, I didn't take, I didn't, I didn't get when Action Comics number one, number 1000 comes out. 1000 or 1001? 1000. Which will be his first Superman story. Right. So until Action Comics 1000 comes out, we have a Han Solo teaser trailer and a real trailer to discuss. I didn't know there was a real trailer till maybe an hour before we started to record this podcast. That's weird. You're on Twitter all the time. I'm surprised that the the tweets didn't catch up to you. But no one no one said anything about the trailer like today. And if they did, I just thought they were talking about the teaser trailer yeah. from the World Cup. Hmm. Yes, the World Cup. So, when I went to do a little bit of research tonight, I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck are they talking about? On Solo and Amelia Clark and I car. And then I was like, oh my, oh shit, there's there's more to see. There is more. I watched it. Action Comics 1000, April 18th. April 18th. I'm excited. So anyway, you watched the second 
Han Solo trailer. That's the fastest we've ever had like awesome two trailers like back to back just a day apart. <laughs> why? Why? They, they packed it in. They were like, hey, we should have released this other thing like three months ago. Well, but- I guess I guess they really wanted to do, you know, a cool... They, they waited so long. It was so weird that they waited long. Maybe it was because the, it, it was so close to the last Jedi release. You know, it just turned February like a couple days ago. And uh, so they're so close to The Last Jedi, and then maybe they needed a little bit of breathing room, and then they realized, oh, my God, Super Bowl is, like, coming right up. Maybe that's a good time to have our first reveal. How did they – I forget how they paced out Rogue One and The Last Jedi. Did they – how did they space those out? Because I feel like we knew about Um, both. and They've – all that stuff. Um, Rogue One – the Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, those were all on relatively similar release schedules for the trailers. Yeah, like, I guess probably you're right. yeah. probably within a month and a half apart from each other. You know, like because usually they do the teaser and then they do the like what is it a second teaser? Um, and then they do a teaser or trailer. Oh no, they do a, tra- a trailer and then they or a teaser and then a um, the behind the scenes thing. That seems to yeah. Show that's what Comic they've Con. been doing. Yeah, right. I guess because this is not on the same Star Wars schedule, right? Right. We're this not is getting this Memorial in, Day. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where their uh, where the confusion came in. But I mean, it's it's Lucasfilm, it's Disney. They should be able to pace these things out a little bit better. I don't think that. Uh, uh, seeing a teaser of Solo maybe like a week before The Last Jedi would have either would have done anything to either movie. Um, I I agree, um, but I, I it kind of feels like it makes sense now that it's happened. Like yeah. I realize that the movie isn't that far away, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time when you see those uh, Super Bowl teasers. That's the first time you're seeing footage of that movie that is coming out that this upcoming summer. So for this to kind of follow suit with that, <clears throat> it's not that weird, really. Like, think about how many movies you saw for the first time for a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Batman Begins. I, I remember that really vividly, seeing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. For at, at, during a Super Bowl ad, and mm-hmm. being like, oh yeah, oh well, they're making a new Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. The one that I remember was War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Yeah, huh. for whatever reason, that's the one that really that's sticks. Your boy, with. too, you love him. Well, that was a good movie. He was really good in that. Actually, yeah, I don't know if you saw it. Mission Impossible movie coming yeah, out. Man. Probably not going to see that. Yeah, no, no. The, I saw the Mummy. That was enough. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I kind of. I'm fine with it. I wish that they just would have put one two-minute trailer together instead of two separate minute, minute and a half things or what. Like what the Super Bowl was what forty-five seconds, and then the the new teasers about a minute and a half. Confusing. And then they they're each like kind of sharing some of the same footage. Some of it's cut differently. It's it's weird, but I mean whatever. We now have two little, you know, teasers of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. What do we think? Has someone cut it all together yet? I don't know. I, uh, I'm, sure somebody, some, I'm sure some fucking dork did. Somebody put um, the two 
spots together, like, but not not cut them. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like take mm-hmm. this from this one and sort of like there. There's not like the director's cut. It's just one right after the other. But um, see, last night, Paul, you saw the teaser, and then ten minutes ago, you saw the full trailer. Yeah, our, uh, I was out and about last night, so I didn't. I wasn't, you know, primed at a TV screen to, to see anything as it happened. Then I got a text from McSauce's good buddy, Jason Kumpfmiller, uh, extolling the virtues of the solo trailer. And that, that must have meant the the teaser during the Super Bowl. Right, yeah. So, you know, I got on my phone and I looked it up, and I was just unimpressed. Like, it, it didn't move the needle. Like, it, it just furthered um any underwhelmingness that i felt for solo uh, uh, nothing just nothing like i may as well have been dead inside but remember how i said that's what he does ian yeah but the the longer version today oh okay oh there's some life in there there might there might be there might be a spark it's like in when there. the Terminator comes back little, after oh, T-1000 almost kills um, him. Yeah, I like the Fuller trailer better. I, I still I still don't necessarily want this movie to be made or think it needs to be made. Yep. But, I mean, if they're doing it, like, I hope they do it right. Mm-hmm. I've got a boatload of reservations. But the longer version... Like offered a little more hope than the first one. Mm-hmm. Ian, uh, I was in with both of them, honestly. Like the short little clippy one that kind of takes you around. You see a lot of the same standout kind of uh, picturesque things with him standing. Han Solo standing on like sort of a like frozen planet. You get the look at the the thing that stood out most to me is you get to see the inside of the Falcon when it was brand new. How cool is that? A piece of junk and before uh, Han Solo turned it into garbage. Yeah, they just shat all over it. The, the one. Do you realize that's what that was, Paul? In the trailer, like the hallways of like a super pristine the white clean walls, Falcon. baby. No, because. Because you know, you're not a Star Wars fan, you don't give a time in the Star Wars universe is whatever you want it to be. They're pretty recognizable walls, but I digress. So you think in like you know ten years that thing can turn into what we see in a New Hope? Yeah, I mean, have, yeah, he's going to be smuggling in it. He's going to be using it. It's going to be his ship. Like, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely can. There are 10 years of wear and tear, of space wear and tear. I've had my fucking car for 10 years. That's you. And it doesn't you're not, any different. You're not a scoundrel. You're not, uh, I mean, well, you're not that kind of scoundrel. Chewie's fucking messy, man. What do you want? Yes, that's exactly what, are you really going to argue that that's what that is, that, that, that isn't the inside of the Falcon? Oh, no. Looking I think brand it, new? I think it totally is. Like, that's one of the hooks of this is, like, hey, the Millennium Falcon's going to be fucking brand new. Yeah, I, like, I, I get, well, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I wasn't expecting them to get the Falcon off a lot. Me neither, until they showed me that they did. Right, and now I'm like, oh, well, I guess. That'd be interesting. I guess this is what, this is what we're doing, but. You know what, like, 
like I, it does it doesn't look natural. There's no way you go from that to a new hope that's, in that's that insane. time in that time that's, frame. It's insane, buddy. But okay. Um, if you think that's insane, wait till we break down some other things from this trailer. Okay, well let's but get like, in, I, let's yeah, get like into that, it. like make the just I mean make them an off white. That's all you need to do. Don't make it fucking bright ass white. Just make it an off white, and all that makes more sense. We're not going to argue the fucking whiteness of white walls. We're not <laughs> it going to do that. wasn't white enough. We're, we're not going to fucking. It's too white, we're, Matt. We're, it's too white. We're absolutely not falling down make that rabbit hole. Make it an off white. We're not okay. falling down the rabbit hole. It's not eggshell enough. Holy shit! Listen to yourself. You're crazy. Okay, let let. I'll get through my thing, Matt. You'll get to. I thought it looked cool. I was surprisingly more into it than I thought I was going to be. Uh, does Alden Ehrenreich win me over? Eh, kind of not. You have one of the most charismatic characters in all fiction in his starring movie deliver two lines of dialogue in the trailer? Mm, that seems like you're avoiding some things. But everything else that surrounded it looked really interesting. I'm definitely in. It, it, it looks like it could possibly be cool. I wasn't sold by that dialogue at the end. He was like, "Ah, everything's all right." It's all, it was. It didn't. It didn't feel as confident as Han Solo is, and that's nitpicking. There's another. There's another moment where he's talking to the mother of dragons, and he's making some sort of like quippy thing, but he's kind of unsure of himself, and maybe I'm just reading a lot into it, but I wasn't sold on him. You're not reading too much into it. I mean, that's a great bit of acting, but he is selling the wrong acting right. for Han Solo. Right, right. Han Solo has deep reservoirs of confidence. And let it be known, Jack Lawson. I'm not oh, gonna, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let White. pristine white walls of the off the <laughs> off the fucking lot falcon next episode ruin this movie Paul white walls <laughs> like they're like I, I'm not I'm not into like the, the bones of what I think this movie is going to be about and this movie the, like the trailer went a long way to making me feel better about how they're going about things like I never wanted Han to be part of the Empire Ever. <clears throat> Isn't that his story, though? Yeah. No. Yeah. Expanding universe, not canon. Yeah, it was. it's something that, like, is Never not been official. But well, it like, is now. Been, it clearly is now, right. though. Right. Yeah. Never been canon before, but now... Kind of, sort of is. Now they're splitting the difference. I love kind of, sort of. It's in the fucking official no, movie. They're, because now they're like, you know, I've been... I forget what the exact line of dialogue is, but he's like, I've been a smuggler since I was 10 years old. Right. But he also goes into the Flight Academy as a rebellious youth, and then he gets kicked out. Like, he doesn't make the conscious decision, like, I need to be a better person. The Empire is doing wrong. I need to free this slave. Right. That's he not gets his kicked fucking out. Right. Story. And that's the problem I had with everything that's been written previously about Han Solo. But now they're splitting the difference. They're giving me some fucking street smart kid, and they're also getting him kicked out without being the honorable, I'm gonna save this Wookiee's life. I like it. I like what they're doing so far. I, I like wait, that what? I, I like that Chewbacca is not a prisoner I'm so of the Empire. 
That's, okay. that's the original. That's, that's the expanded universe story. Is that Han's in the Empire and he frees Chewbacca, and that's why Chewie owes him a life death. I know that, life. but the way that you were presenting your argument there seemed like you weren't on board with that. Let's end all this this back and forth. Matt, please give your initial reaction to the trailer. Uh, I was surprised by how much I was kind of digging it. I The thing that kind of um, I got hung up on was just me trying to determine if I felt like this dude felt like Han Solo to me. And I realize he's not a dead ringer for him. Uh, you know, like the hair looks pretty decent, like compared to like a New Hope Han Solo. The chin's good. Um, the chin's good. If I'm not mistaken, like they even throw the scar on his chin. That nose is kind of crooked. Is that real? Uh, well, a little bit. I mean, it's not Harrison Ford's nose looks like a fucking bent wiener. But um, I thought that I saw like. Maybe a scar on his chin. I don't know. Maybe not. But I was like, man, this looks better than I thought it was going to. I still firmly am in the camp with you, Paul, that this movie should not have been made. It shouldn't be made. Um, it's completely completely unnecessary. I would I would so much rather them do a different character or a different story. But they're making it obviously, or they made it. And for what we're going to get, I thought it looked kind of cool. Like, um, I thought that the the pristine white walls of the Millennium Falcon looked really neat. I was like, oh, my God, look at that. It was like this glorious ship. I immediately thought back to, like, man, that must be when Lando had it, when it was so nice. And he was like, what would you do to my ship? And the ship looks different. I fucked it all up. Like, look at the front of the Millennium Falcon. It, it doesn't have that, like that groove cut out of it or something it it's kind of like uh, it's hard to kind of explain in, in it doesn't the, have prongs it's one it's one one nose. point one nose yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> i don't know like i thought that uh alden ehrenreich felt a little diminutive like a little on the smaller side um to be harrison ford but Maybe that's splitting hairs a little bit. I don't know. Um, I don't think it is splitting hairs. Do you think that he feels a little on the like a smaller guy? I think I think Han Solo is a character that can only be portrayed by Harrison Ford. I think Han Solo is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, then I who's Indiana think... Jones? Is Indiana Jones Her- Indiana uh, Jones Han is also Han Solo. I think he, well, he made those characters so iconic. That you can't, you can't recast those. What about regarding Henry? Is that Han Solo? You could probably. Well, they're probably <clears throat> going to remake regarding Henry at some point, <laughs> or do a sequel. Like I think thirty-five years later. I think Bradley Cooper could be a new Henry. A new Henry. I think he could. Re regarding Henry. He could. Uh, Henry? He could. <laughs> That's because of the head injury. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, like I, uh, like Bradley Cooper has the <laughs> right vibe, especially fueled off of that Eagles victory last night should, in the fucking owners' should box. Should Bradley Cooper have it. been Han Solo? Well, he, I guess he's not the right age for what they were going for, but he has the right he has the right look and I, demeanor, and 
So what are we saying? This, we're gonna we're gonna cast. We're gonna recast. Cooper I said this from the Henry. very beginning. He was up he, and Han Solo. He was he was up in the casting. <clears throat> I think Ansel Elgort should have been Han Solo. He was baby and baby driver. I think he should have got this. Get role. the fuck out of here! No way. Yes. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I. I don't. I haven't seen enough of Ansel Elgort. Because well, you've seen they, enough of Alden Ehrenreich. Why, well. If you listen to anything I said, I doubted everything that I saw. So exactly, I know well, that. Well, I've never—I've only seen him in one thing. I didn't like it. I don't like him as he's portraying Han Solo. But I also don't think Ansel Elgort as a sheltered person that he was playing in Baby Driver. But he wore a vest. Trans, like, but he, he wore a vest. Like, so he, therefore, he has to be Han like Solo. he didn't have the same kind of swagger and charisma. He just didn't. But he's he wore a, a vest. He's an actor. So is this guy, buddy. So is this guy. I've seen Ansel Elgort. You're basing it on fucking No, about. I'm not. Okay. I've seen him in Baby Driver. I saw him in the the Hunger Games movies. And I saw him in the I movie him where the- Chicky, the got her hair cut short, gets cancer. He is... <laughs> uh, really, he is... Our fault among the stars yes, or whatever. The he's kid. really good and he's more than capable of being Han Solo. The only other thing I've he, seen Alden Ehrenreich in the same, he is the weird magic fantasy werewolf movie with Jeremy Irons, and he Alden Ehrenreich also wasn't good in that. Like, I you're rolling your eyes at me, but I, I actually wasn't. I've seen enough of of Ansel Elgort to believe that he could pull this off. That this could be a vehicle that launches him into the next. Actor stratosphere. Well, they didn't cast him. So. Right, they didn't. They cast this guy who seems like he's fucking swimming in those shoes. Matt, what actually is your? Yeah, what, what are your feelings? feelings? Well, my feelings are Paul is is out of his mind tonight. That's nothing because new. Why what, what are your feelings on? This trailer. Why am I out of my mind? Because you're you're basing. Let's face it. If that dude didn't wear a vest in Baby Driver and look like Han Solo based on his clothes, you would not be saying that. There's nothing about Matt. You I gave about. you two other examples of move. Three other movies I've seen him right. in, and he had a Han Solo swagger How? in those movies. I'm not saying he had a Han Solo swagger. I'm saying he has the acting capability and the presence to be Han Solo. How many other times have you seen Alden Ehrenreich? Or Ansel Elgort, other than Baby Driver or this trailer. Uh, I, I have saw it, but exactly. I saw, exactly. I saw, fucking haven't. I've seen Alden Ehrenreich in Hill Season. Wait, hold on. I'm having. Uh, let me have this argument with Paul because Paul's upset because he thinks I'm trying to make an argument that Alden Ehrenreich is better than Ansel Mc. And Gretel, right? But I'm not. I'm just saying, I saw him Baby Driver, he wore a vest and he looked like Han Solo, but he looked like a fucking two-bit skinny-ass cosplayer trying to be him. He doesn't have the, the physical presence at all. He's a twig. So what are you going to do? Put him on steroids and creatine? No, and my argument like, is because you're like, oh, you saw him once in one movie and he no, wore a vest. No, I didn't say that. I and that's why you think that he is be why. Han Solo. That is why you're saying it. If he didn't Matt, dress that way, you, you wouldn't asshole. be saying that. I saw him I saw him in three other movies. I know he has the capability. He's fucking frail. He's slight. Yeah. He can fucking bulk up. He can fucking do it. And I, guess what? Han Solo in A New Hope is not fucking The Rock. He's a he's a little guy. No, he isn't. He's taller than Luke Skywalker, but he's no less fit than Mark Hamill. 
Right. He's slender. He's not a fucking bulky guy. Ansel Elgort could absolutely do this. He one. does fill out a vest. I'll give you that. So, because that's uh, the only thing I saw. It is. Ansel it Elgort is. And one if vest. he didn't wear I didn't that, see, I don't have didn't wear any that. other any other reference for Ansel Elgort. I'm like Matt, who's only ever seen him in Baby Driver and nothing else. Okay, I, I saw Tom Cruise in 20 fucking movies. Does that mean he belongs in this movie? I saw him. I saw him in more movies than uh, Ansel. What's his name again? My point, exactly. Because I don't know his name? Right. Oh, I can't recognize good acting All unless right, so, I know their so, fucking name. So, sell me on Tom Cruise. Um, That's not the argument. The argument isn't Tom Cruise. Because you're making an argument film. that if you've seen them in more movies, then I know them better, and they're, therefore they're suitable for the role. Because I've seen them in movies, and they can act. They have range. They can Matt, act. That's 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 exactly the so argument. Then, so then why the fuck isn't Tom Cruise? Because he has range. Because Tom Cruise wasn't... He didn't audition for Han Solo. Ansel Elgort auditioned for Han Solo with Alden Ehrenreich, and he lost the role. A lot of people really liked Alden Ehrenreich's work in Hell Caesar. He was good in it. He was he was more of a Han Solo type, an idiot, but more of a Han Solo swaggering um, Hollywood star type in that movie than Alden Aaron or than Ansel Elgort was in The Fault in Our Stars, which I also saw. And Baby Driver. Did he wear a vest in that? They're both actors, is the bottom line. And there's something that the greater mind share of Lucasfilm and Disney saw in Ansel Ehrenreich that made them pick him in the first place. So, regardless if... We don't know. That's the thing. We don't know because we've only seen fucking two minutes of snippets that were sent to us. So, like, we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know if he can act. We All we know are the things that we've read and online and seen on Twitter about the troubles that this movie has had. But at the end of the day, if this movie... Is, is really great, and they reshot half of it, and they brought all the forces that they could to correct any acting faux pas and change any script errors or anything like that. If it's a good movie, we're going to forget about all that shit, so it doesn't actually matter. Right, but there there are signs that point to there might be issues with Alden Ehrenreich being a good Han Solo based on these trailers because they don't show a whole lot of his acting chops in it. So a lot of the things that we see when we see him, we see him maybe from a distance. He's not saying anything. We just kind of see him walking or in an action sequence. Um, that's a little bit troubling because the movie's called Solo and this is your main character. I would think that you should see a little bit more of that. Um, but I think that the whole thing is just strange. You're, you're casting an actor to play a version of a character five to ten years before we see that character so it's not like you're you're doing it because you have to because of like an age thing like when they went back and they had to cast a young ewan mcgregor to play a younger version of alec guinness right there's like a 40 year age gap there or maybe more i don't know but in this case you're getting like just a different guy to be that same Han Solo. And that doesn't, it's not going to work. Like you could get anybody and it's not going to work in terms of like, 
you're, you're just going to have to somehow, it's more, it's going to be more like, um, James Bond, right? You go from like Sean Connery to Roger Moore to, it was not whatever. But the point is like, they're playing the same character, same age range and everything. It's not like, and, and you just have to accept it. It's like going from Val Kilmer to George Clooney. Did we all buy that? Or from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer, did we buy that as Batman? Uh, as Bruce Wayne, we absolutely did. Did we buy Mr. Mom as Bruce Wayne? When I was nine, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement, despite the fact that we fought about this shit for 15 fucking minutes. I think we're all in agreement that that's the most shaky part of this movie, which is also the most troubling because the name of the movie and you would think that the star of the movie would be able to grasp the the, the the core of the character i'm basing my opinion that it's troubling on the fact that that we don't see much i think what we do see i thought it was pretty decent i thought he sounded pretty good he looked pretty good a little shaky some of the things It's, it's not a mirror image but like i i felt like it was a noble like effort you know it's yeah. it's not like i mean i clearly know that he's trying to do han solo but we have to see it in a greater context to be able to like really make that decision um you know i i've heard people reviewing his acting performance in this movie already you know ready to turn him into the razzies um based on you know 90 seconds of footage and and maybe like 12 seconds of that is him actually acting. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not quite ready to do that. So, all right. Um, do we have do we have uh, polynomics for this thing? Yeah, I think it wouldn't be a podcast without polynomics. Right. For the new listeners, Ian, what are polynomics? They are your our excitement based on a 1 to 10 scale, and our expectation of the film also based on a 1 to 10 scale. Um, Paul, you have a lot of feelings. You want to do the polynomics named after you, your namesake. Ah, boy. Polynomics, uh, uh, I... Four and four, yeah. That's unfair. I, I I think it's it's gonna be better than I expect. Um, I will put my expectation at a six, but my excitement my excitement's at a three. I'm not excited, and I'm not excited for this movie. Like I don't think this is a movie that needs made. There's some cool stuff in these trailers. Some stuff that I liked a lot more than I thought. Some stuff that I didn't think was going to bother me as much as it does. Um, like, I know we get we get other actors to be in these movies. like, But every time I see Amelia Clark, it pulls me right out of the I movie. agree. What the hell? So weird, because Woody Harrelson doesn't pull me out of this movie. Why? Because expl- I feel the same way, but I, I can't pull Because she's on. such a... She's already such a um, such a main character in a genre property. Like the, she, she already looks has so that different though, in it, you know. She like, does, but I, like every time she shows up, I'm just like, oh, Amelia Clark. 
her hair is awfully pedestrian in this too, by the way. Like just with those pony the ponytail and bangs. Um, I like I, I saw the teaser trailer first. I hated that two seconds of Lando. I hated the extra facial hair. I hated the big earthen fur cloak. Um, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that things that look like they're from Earth pull me out of a movie immediately. What? I don't... I mean, the extra facial hair. He's a bit younger at that point. By the time that he makes it to Cloud City, he's got a... You know, he's, he's the... Uh, he's running that joint, so he's got to clean it up, clean shave, and I think that yeah. that organically makes sense to who he would be. It's a younger time. He's a more yeah. dangerous kind of the scoundrel. The hair bothers me. Much less than the fur coat. The coat. And the, the fur coat just pulls me out of, yeah, I'm not, out of the experience. I'm not, I'm not but when but, but when we see Donald Glover's Lando in the extended trailer, the actual trailer, and like the gold then I'm all deal. in. Yeah. I'm feeling it. All right. um, so yeah, like, like there's there's really cool stuff. There's really stuff that I don't like. Um, I know it's tiny, but I don't like the Millennium Falcon modifications. I'd at least like the like the two prongs of the front of the falcon are so iconic i think like that should be something that's left alone like if you want to add the radar dish if you want to like soup up the hyperdrive or do like internal things of the falcon that makes sense i don't but, think internal things play on screen yeah but like that, that's we've my updated point. the nav computer oh, great. that's my point i don't think it like if you want to clean up clean up the color of it um, if you want to make it a that's little... That clearly was a touchy subject with <laughs> hey. you. For the interior, but, like, if you want to make But the, the exterior! But fucking fair game. Because the exterior is out in the fucking elements all the fucking time. If you want to make the exterior a little bit brighter, like, I, I get it, but as far as the, the shape of the ship, the shape of the Millennium Falcon is so iconic... I think it's weird that we're gonna they see, made a decision to change that. We're gonna see it get that shape in this movie. Yeah. Doesn't mean I need to be on board with it. Four, four and six, is that what you said? Yeah. Six and six, I was pretty hyped with this. I was surprisingly hyped. Three, three and six. Three and six, I'm sorry. Expectation, six, excitement, three. I've got I've got a, an excitement level of six. I've got an expectation of six. Um, I was surprised at how excited I was by this. It looked really cool. Sure, there was trouble on the set, but there are trouble on lots of, lots of sets, we hear more things about movies than we have ever heard in the past. Um, so I'm just going to go in. I, I, I thought I used to like Star Wars, even though the uh, last Jedi did a number on me, cut one hand of my fandom off. But um, I'm still in six and six. Matt? Uh, I, well, I kind of like the ship. I kind of like the Falcon looking different yeah. because, yeah, because Han even goes, I made a lot of special modifications myself. Like, I don't know, I guess but clearly that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And then it also plays into, what'd you do to my ship? And it's like, Han oh, just fucked it all up, of course. He tore the grill off my ship, right. bitch. And that's kind of like what I like about Han Solo is like, kind of what a screw up he is sometimes and that's kind of like what's so endearing about him a lot of the time um i was really really not thinking this was going to be that great before we saw anything for it 
And this trailer, maybe it was the way it was cut, but man, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I, before it, I would have said that my um, excitement was probably like a four, and my expectation was probably like, uh, a, I don't know, like a five. But I would say now I'm probably like, for excitement, um, probably about a, a seven. Seven for excitement? Yeah, like shit. I'm trying to think. Weren't you at like a fucking negative ten? I just said what I was. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of like other movies that like this year that I'm, I guess I'm sort of comparing it to other stuff that's coming out this year. And after seeing this trailer, I'm not sure there's a whole lot else that I'm more excited for. And that's more of an indictment on this year. I think that this year isn't quite as exciting as... Just focus on Solo. We're not, like, fuck whatever's happening in the rest of the year. Well, I'm trying to... How excited are you for Solo? Just this movie. Yeah, probably a seven. Yeah, six for expectations. So then everything you said about basing it on everything else coming out this year, that doesn't matter, you're still in a seven. What do you mean? You just said, like, you're being, like... You're basing your numbers on solo yeah, it's, on what else comes out this year. Like I, but yeah. it doesn't matter because even when you just focus on what you think about solo, it's still the same number. Well, I, I can't look at it in a vacuum. Maybe you have that talent. Maybe that's your mutant power. But, aside from hating everything. Matt, just what? look at it like just one movie. Like we're not like who the fuck cares about how excited you're gonna be coming off of Infinity Why War is a problem going with into solo. This? Ian. I don't know. I don't know, Matt. Maybe it was something in his childhood. Maybe well, because, one day we'll get a prequel movie all about why that, he hates so badly. That's how, that's how we've always been doing about this. We've been we've been doing this based on the movie. Like, I fucking love Empire Strikes Back, so Solo's gonna be a negative 12. <laughs> like, it's just based on the movie. It's not based on what else comes out this year. Okay. You know what I mean? Come on. I know you fucking guys know what I mean. You're right, Paul. You're right. Anything Don't else? fucking patronize me. Anything else for tonight? Um. Yeah. No, well, wait. What did I say? I'm a seven for excitement, six for expectation. Um, but if Infinity War didn't come out this year, it would be like double twelves. That's, that's right. Right? I mean, that's what you're saying, because you're basing your solo score on everything else that comes on out On Infinity this year. War? Everything else that comes out this year. But you just said Infinity War. It was the first movie that popped in my head. I don't... With, no, man. Like, I'm looking at it in the, like, in the greater um, landscape of all the genre movies that are coming out, and, you know... Is this like, how you rank every movie? No, every dude. Year? Dude. Like... You don't you don't look at the thing that you're most excited about? No, I look at the the movie presented in front of me and I base my opinion on what the subject is that we're talking about. So you about. don't have you don't have a movie or a music album or a comic book that you're most excited about? No, I base you're it on fucking crazy. I base it on the subject that we're talking no. about on the episode. Like a normal person would do, they would say, "Man, that is the thing I'm most excited about. I can't wait." Well, if it's the thing you're most excited about, you're fucking comparing it to everything else. 
Right? But we're not comparing it to everything else. Yes, we're we talking are. about one movie. Right. And I fucking rated I gave you my fucking polynomics. My stupid ass polynomics with a caveat. How are you not backing me up on this? Because you're foolish and wrong and dumb. Do we have anything else for tonight? No, that's all. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Whitewall Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time.